Good morning. Let me just read a, a scripture to you this morning. Psalm 81, 10. It says this, I am the Lord thy God who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. Open your mouth wide and I will fill it. And then just one more scripture, Luke 11, 5 to 13. Luke chapter 11, verses 5 to 13. And he said unto them, Which of you shall have a friend, and shall go unto him at midnight, and say him, Friend, lend me three loaves? For a friend of mine in this journey is come to me, and I have nothing to set before him. And he from within shall answer and say, it trouble me not, the door is now shut, and my children uh, are with me in bed. I cannot rise and give it to thee. I say unto you, through he, he will not rise and give him, because he is a friend, yet because of this importance, he will rise and give him as many as he needs. And I say unto you, ask and it shall be given you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened. For everyone who asks receives, and he that seeks finds, and he that knocks it shall be open. If a son shall ask for bread, any, any of you that is a father, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he, will, so if, if he, asks for a fish will, he, will he give him a fish? Will he give him a serpent, rather? Or if he shall ask for uh, an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? If... You then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more shall your heavenly Father give you the Holy Spirit? Let me just read verse 10 of Psalm 81 again. I am the Lord your God who brought you up out of Egypt. Open your mouth wide and I will fill it. It's a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. It's an honor that we have somewhere to go this morning with our deepest sorrows, deepest pains, anxiety moments. When the storms come in, floods come in, when the family's in chaos, it's a privilege for every man and woman in here who truly born again and knows God that you are a person with great hope this morning because you know God. And, 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 and in this verse... It's a privilege. It says this. I am a Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt. Open your mouth wide and I will fill it. You see, God had brought them out of Egypt. These people had seen miracles. They'd seen the power of God. They'd seen his glory manifesting. They saw one and a half million people being released. Just by God's voice. Just by God's power. Nothing else, not a great army, not money, not silver, not gold, released simply because God heard their cry and came and delivered them and set them free. When God says here, open up your mouth, what he's saying is, ask me for great things. 
asked me for great things. We've heard this morning, I don't want you to put a band-aid over stuff. I want to do a miracle. Susan got that word and then Fiona says to me, I feel I want to talk about miracles. So either God is speaking or we just file that in a drawer somewhere and go, well, that was a nice morning. No, God is speaking to us. He's saying, open up your mouth wide and I will fill it. Ask me for great things. Prayer is not just learned in a classroom. It comes out of desperation. It's learned in a prayer closet when you have nowhere else to go. When the river runs dry, the money runs dry, the strength runs dry, your energy runs dry. When things come in that are out of your control and there's nowhere else to go, see, God wants to bring a holy desperation. He never leaves us comfortable. He'll make you uncomfortable. He'll draw you to a place of total dependency on Him. But you must come with an expectation. We must come. That We are a praying church. That's why we're putting on these prayer meetings. We're expecting God to move and do great things. We're asking God to do great things. The capacity to ask for great things comes out of abiding. John 15, if you abide in me and ask anything in my name. So there's an abiding that takes place. There's an obedience. There's a lifestyle that goes with the name. There's a lifestyle that goes with this name. There's, a, there's an abiding. There's a life of obedience. There's a life that says, if there's anything in me, God, I want it moved. I want to ask you for great things. He wants us to possess his promises. He wants us to possess his promises. He wants us to take those, lay hold of them. You see, that's asking for great things. I can ask for the promises because I'm asking for something that's certain. I'm not coming asking for silly, stupid things from my own, my own mind. I'm looking at the promises of God, which are yea and amen, and I'm asking for great things. The promises of God are great. Can somebody say amen? amen. The promises are great. I mean, you know, there's a, God's got boxes of stuff up there that nobody's claiming. Warehouses of stuff that nobody's claiming. Because we actually don't believe. We're so full of unbelief sometimes. I'm asking for great things. Great things are based on the Bible. Great things are based on the promises, which are yea and amen. They're not no. They're yes. They're an absolute certainty. Can you say amen? I mean, come on, this is certain. It's a certainty. The promises are yes and amen. So he wants us to possess the promises. He wants us to ask for great things. He is honored when we ask for great things. He is honored. You're honoring him. You're saying, God, I'm putting no limits on you. You, 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 I'm not going to put limits on you. You, you being limited is not you, it's in me. I limit you, but you're not limited. When we ask for great things, he is honored. He's honored when somebody believes him. God is saying, there's an open invitation. Open your mouth wide and I will fill it. Jeremiah 33, 3, call on me and what? I will answer you. I mean, that's a divine invitation. 
I mean, this is not coming from a man or a denomination or a pastor. God himself, this is the word of God. The promises are yes. And here's a divine invitation. Ask of me and I will answer you. If you ask for a, a, a stone, would it, a, a bread, will I give you a stone? You can ask for great things, even in the day of small things. When things are small, you can ask for great things. God hears our prayers. We need confidence. Do you know why? Do you know why I, don't, I think we don't ask for great things? I think we have made ourselves the standard of the prayer and not God. You see, that's why it says, boldly approach the throne of grace that you can find strength in time of trouble. It's a throne of grace where you can come and find strength in the day of trouble. We have made ourselves the standard of the prayer. Oh, I'm having a bad day today. I've had a bad week. And God says, I don't care what kind of week you have. I've had a great day. I'm your God. Ask me for great things. It's not based on you. It's based on my promises. It's based on my word. It's based on my power. It's based on my character. It's based on my love. And so many people, thank you. And so many people, so many I don't come to the throne of grace because they've had a bad week. This happens to mature Christians, condemnation. We don't believe for great things. You say, well, you know, I'll ask God to the standard where I'm at. You ever had anybody coming up to you and saying, well, you pray for me, and you think, oh, I wish you came up last week, I was in good shape. <laughs> not today, I mean, not this morning. Of all the mornings, not this morning. See, you're making yourself the standard of the prayer. Thanks, Andy. Yeah. <laughs> you're making yourself the standard of the prayer. So when you come up to me this morning and say, will you pray for me for the baptism in the Holy Ghost? And I go, <laughs> of all the mornings to ask me that. Last week, we were, when we had the monthly prayers on, when, I mean, I was fasting a couple of weeks ago. If you'd only got me then, when I was in good shape. You see, you're, you're basing your prayer on self-righteousness rather than the grace of God. Open your mouth wide and I will fill it because I'm a good God. I'm a God of love. It's not based on you. It's based on me. It's the, folks, do you get it? Do you get it? It's based on him. You see, when the prodigal was in a pig pen, do you think that, do you, do you, do you think that he felt righteous? Do you think he felt good enough to go back to the father? No, I'll tell you what lifted him out of it. What lifted him out of that was the father's goodness. He started to think about the father. He never, he never went, well, I'll wait till I'm okay. I'll wait till everything's all right. I'll wait till I tidy myself up and then I'll go back to the father. He thought about the father and it made him move. And when we ask God for great things, it's not based on me, it's based on him. When I start to think of the goodness of God, when I think of the grace of God, it moves me to the throne of grace. And when the prodigal went to the father, it wasn't based on him. The father ran out to meet him, clothed him, blessed him. 
And it was all based on the Father's love. And know what he done. See, he was based not on him. This is what he said, Father, I'll just be a servant. That's what we say. That's why we have, God, I won't ask you for a big miracle because, you know, I've, I've backslid a few times. I've, I've had a, a terrible life. I've, I've done wrong this week. I've, we're over here somewhere. We're not good enough. But I, I won't ask you for a big miracle. I'll just, I'll just, and he, I'll just be a servant. And he goes, no. It's not based on you. It's not based on your backsliding. You're my son. You were dead, but now you're alive. Hallelujah. What love. Oh, what love is this? What love is this? What a love. What a father. You see, that's what happened in Luke 11. When you come to me and you ask for bread, what one of you would give your son a stone or a scorpion? He's talking about the Holy Spirit, but that could be a number of things. When you come to God and you ask for less, it's not honouring to God. Because know what you're saying? God, you're saying to God, I don't know your heart. I don't know your grace. I don't know your love. I'll just be a servant. Well, just give me a small, just put a band-aid on it. And God says, no, I don't do band-aids. I do miracles. Ask God for great things, Acorn Church. Your life, husbands and wives, men and women of God here this morning. Ask him for great things. He loves you. It's not based on you. Don't make yourself the standard of the prayer. I've been there. I've tried to work my way back. And we fall into self-righteousness. I've been there. We measure our request by God's grace, God's greatness, God's willingness. You're not praying to a reluctant God. You don't need to twist God's arm. I gave you my son. I gave you my son. I took him and I nailed him to a cross. The most horrendous death. What would I hold back from you this morning? Do you know the Father's heart? Do you know the Father's love and grace this morning for you? Do you know the Father's kindness? Do you know he gave his son Jesus Christ to die for you? What would he withhold from you? Tell me. Tell me what he would withhold. God wants us to enlarge our tents and stretch. First Chronicles 4.10 is the prayer of Jabez. Remember Jabez, you just reading these list of names, right in the middle of it, the Holy Ghost put this in. He said, God bless me and enlarge my territory. He's asking God for great things. And right away, God said, yes, okay. He asked him for great things and God enlarged it. I mean, I remember when my son was young, I used to say to him, if you cut the grass, I'll give you a tenner. I didn't need to give him a tenner. He'd have done it for nothing. I was just looking for ways to bless him. Every chance I could get, I'd bless him. If you do that, I'll give you a fiver. If you do that, I'll give you a tenner. If you do that, isn't that true? Eh? I'm still doing it. (laughs) 
No why. It's a father's heart. It's not based on him. It's not based on his behaviour. That's my son. There's not a man or woman in here who wouldn't do anything for your sons or daughters, no matter what shape they were in. Because of your heart. Because of your heart. Do you get it this morning that God said, ask me for great things. You've seen my miracles. I brought you out of Egypt. You've saw my power. You've saw my glory. You see how much I've blessed you. Will anybody just come to the Father this morning and believe that he loves you? Ask for great things. Ask for more revelation. Ask for more of the Spirit. Ask for your children. Ask for your church. Ask God for great things. Impossible is just the opinion of men. It's not the language of God. I refuse to believe it. That God can't send a revival. I believe in personal revival. That's what we're praying for. And no, people might think we're foolish. <laughs> we church up there praying for revival. <laughs> I love it. It's just like God to jump over everybody and come and meet us. That's the kind of God he is. In the Zussi Street revival, there was a one-eyed black man named William Seymour. And there was big churches in that day, big velvet curtains that had all the works. And William Seymour was a one-eyed black man. He had to sit outside the door because of segregation in the Bible college and hear theology through a door. And he went to a barn and he started preaching, and there was a worldwide revival. He, you know, he said, I just believed God that there was more. A worldwide revival came through William Seymour against all odds because he believed God. I'm nearly finished. Impossible is just the opinion of men. I believe God wants to astonish us again. There's hindrances to prayer, obviously. Pride, disobedience, unforgiveness, just spiritual laziness, lukewarmness. Ephesians 3.20 That he is able to do more abundantly than you think or ask. This is God talking to you this morning. Believe God for your families. Get desperate. I don't, want to, I don't want to wait till I get to heaven to receive everything. I want to unlock heaven. I want the windows of heaven opened. I want blessing on my family. I want blessing on my children's children. I want blessing on Acorn Church. I want blessing. I want to see a miracle before I die. Amen. Amen. No, I am a miracle. We're saved. We're born again. But you know what I mean. I want to see miracles happen. I want to see God doing great things again. I want a generation, at least, I mean, at least let, them, let, let it said that we, you know, we never, we never had God from them. I want a generation to see that God's got the power to do more abundantly than you think or ask. Amen. 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 God's not reluctant. You don't need to twist his arm. You know, you just need to ask. Amen. Good morning, Acorn Church. It's really good to be with you this morning. Great to be 
bringing you the word this morning. Um, Jay is in Dundee, preaching last night and this morning. And um, he, we both actually drive straight through to Wales today, separately. So I've got a six hour, but he's got an eight hour journey because I'm working there this week, but we have a funeral tomorrow. So he drives straight after church right down to Wales. So pray for him um, this morning. So, yes, so be still for the presence of the Lord. You know, it's, we live in such a busy world. And this morning, I'm going to share, try and share some words from the Bible about making room for God. You know, we as a church have made room and space during this past week, and we'll be doing it this month for prayer. Just making a space where people can come together and pray. And we've had an amazing time. And you know, I know not everybody can come to that, but if you can do it at home or whatever, just take some time out and make room for God. Because we're going to look at what happens. I'm going to give you an example from the Bible and tell you what happens when we make room for God. And we are, you know, time is the same, isn't it? It's, it time hasn't changed. We all say we're so busy, we have no time. But time is the same. We still have 24 hours in a day. We still have seven days a week. We still have 365 days of the year. Isn't that right? So time is the very same. But we recognize that life can be much more demanding now and stressful. Life can be demanding with work and shifts and different things. Life can be demanding with finances and family. Life can be demanding even with church and services and things to go to. And we are so busy, busy, busy. As sometimes we don't make room for God. And you may say to me, well, I do. I go to church. I pray every day. But I'm not talking about going places. I'm not talking about being in, you know, religiously praying every day. I'm talking about something way different. I'm talking about making room in our lives for God. It's totally different. And sometimes we're so cluttered. Don't answer this. But you know those two minutes that we just had? How hard did you find that? Don't answer it. How hard was that? I'm not saying it was hard, but how hard? Answer the question. Because sometimes when we're quiet, the clutter, there is just so much clutter. You're thinking, oh, I have the chicken in there. I hope the chicken is ready. Oh, this and all these thoughts. Oh, I forgot to do this and I forgot. And sometimes the clutter of our world is incredible. I recently discovered and undiscovered something very quickly. I discovered, I was looking on YouTube for something, and I discovered they have these YouTube shorts, right? Anybody know YouTube shorts? Don't, don't go there if you, if you don't. <laughs> and so I was like, wow, these are like little 30 seconds, 60 seconds, quick. And you're going like that. And an hour passed. An hour passed, and I'm looking at YouTube shorts. 
highly addictive. And I was terribly rebuked by my 19-year-old son. <laughs> so my son came to visit, our son came to visit, and he said, you know, you know those, um, he talked about, you know, devices and all of that. And he said, you know those YouTube, and I said, yeah, I just, just discovered, they're brave. they're funny, there's some of them are just really funny, you can get the Christian ones as well, so the little bits and pieces. And he said, well, he said, they're actually really, he said, I keep totally away from them. I said, really, why? And he said, because they're highly addictive. And he said, what they do is they, 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 they give a surge of this dopamine that comes in. He said, but it's false. The minute he said, you, you use that and you're an hour and then you feel a bit flat afterwards because you have this surge. And he said, the other thing is you're doing, you're flicking, 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 flicking. And your concentration starts to go. And I, I noticed that. I was like, wow, my concentration. And so we are living in such a cluttered world that we have to be careful that we're not giving our concentration to other things too much. We're not cluttering up so that the minute that we start to be still, there's clutter, clutter, clutter coming into our lives. So I want us to look at a story of what happened when somebody made room for God. And this is a, from, the story is 2 Kings chapter 4, and it's verse 8, and I'll read some verses. One day, Elisha went to Shunem, and a well-to-do woman was there who urged him to stay for a meal. So whenever he came by, he stopped there to eat. She said to her husband, I know that this man who often comes our way as a holy man of God. Let's make a small room for him on the roof and put in it a bed, a table, a chair, and a lamp. There he can stay whenever he comes to visit. One day when Elisha came, he went up to his room and he lay there. He said to his servant, Gehazi, call the Shunammite. So he called her and he st she stood before him. Elisha said to him, tell her, you have gone to all this trouble for us. Now, what, what can be done for you? Can we speak on your behalf to the king or the commander of the army? She replied, I have a home among my own people. What can be done for her, Elisha said. Gehazi said, well, she has no son and her husband is old. Then Elisha said, call her. So he called her and she stood in the doorway. About this time next year, Elisha said, you will Hold a son in your arms. No, no, my Lord, she said. Don't mislead your servant. Oh, man of God. But the woman became pregnant. And the next year, about that same time, she gave birth to a son, just as Alicia had told her. And I want to look at what happened when this woman made room for God. Now, obviously, in those days, it was the prophets. There's very few uh, people in the Bible those days that would have, you know, been anointed. There's a named few that would have heard from God, had direct access to God. But generally, it was the prophets and those that were anointed. So the, when the prophet came to stay, she had access. It was like she had access to God through the prophet that he was going to speak to her. And when she made room for God, so I'm going to take it like when we're making room for God in our lives, but I take it like she made room for God. And what happened when she made room? She did an intentional act. She made a decision that she was going to make room for this prophet. 
when she did this, she opened up room for God to do the miraculous, for God to do the supernatural in her life. And you see, she was, it says she was a well-to-do woman. She was a woman who, you know, she served where she was at. She was a very wealthy woman. She had an estate. She had servants. She had everything. And when Alicia came and he said to her, you know, what, what, what is it that I can do for you? What, 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 this woman, because he was overwhelmed with her hospitality. You know, he was overwhelmed that this woman wanted to, would, would share and open up her home. He used to eat with her and now she's made a room in her house for him. A, a room whenever he comes by, he can stay. And he said, what can be done for her? And, and they asked her and she said, no, no, I'm all right. Everything, no, I don't need anything. But actually, that wasn't true because the woman, she had, her husband was old and she had no son. And in those days, to not have a son was, you know, looked down upon. And because, so she, and she, she just, why does she not ask? Why does she not ask Alicia for a son at that point? Why does she not ask when her, really, her deepest desire was to have a child? But she didn't ask. I think, you know, I think verse 16 and verse 28 of the chapter, verse 16 says, you know, when he said about this time next year, she said, don't mislead your servant. I think that this, with this particular need, she was afraid to hope. She had probably, this lady had probably felt disappointed time and time again. She probably had asked so many times and she had her hopes, hope deferred makes the heart sick. And she had asked and she had asked and she had asked and nothing had happened. But yet, it remained her deepest desire. And sometimes, you know, I think her need was so great that she couldn't even voice it. It was a buried desire in her. And when Alicia said, you're going to have a child this time next year, she's like, no, don't mislead me. Don't build up my hopes. Are you, I wonder you here today, with an unmet need in your life, with a deep desire that you have stopped asking for. You stopped asking God for this deep desire because you don't want to face disappointment you're afraid to hope. You're afraid it's too much for God. It's something that you'd asked for many, many years, and now you've just stopped asking. It's not that you stopped asking because you're waiting in faith. You've stopped asking because you don't believe anymore that God can do this. When you make room for God, you're making room for the supernatural to happen. You know, we serve a living God. Our God is alive and our God is active. Our God still does miracles today. He's a God that works more than what we ask or even imagine. That's the God we serve. That's the God we serve. And when we make room for God in our lives, when we stop, the clutter. And I'm not talking about making room for God. I'm not talking about doing more hours of prayer, doing that's always good. I'm not talking about, you know, being silent. That's all, you know, well, be silent those two minutes. <laughs> that's not what this is about. 
This is making room for God in our lives. Making room for God in his grace and mercy that still wants to meet that need. I remember when I first came, went to Wales to Team Challenge. I, did, I was doing a course with them and I was 29 at the time, so a little bit older in many senses, as in um, unmarried. I had become a Christian just a few years and I had surrendered everything to the Lord, really surrendered. And I remember um, it was before Hope House opened. So um, I remember going up to we, Hope House is an old vicarage, um, a big building of an old vicarage and had an attic. And I remember going up to the attic in the mornings and I would just be praying and praying and, 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 and I would be, you know, I had a deep desire to get married and, you know, have children. And that was my deep desire. So I would pray for that. And then I'd say, but, but your will be done, Lord, but your will be done. And then I'd go up one morning and say, Lord, I'm single for you forever. I surrender all and I'm single forever. Yes, Lord, I will remain single. And then the next morning I'd say, but Lord, you know, I'd make a great wife and a good mother. <laughs> and so I would fleet. And then I come to the point of thinking, actually, God, give me a deepest desire to be a mother, to be a wife. Who put that there? Who put that desire there? And I knew that it was a desire of God. And if it was a desire of God, he knew my heart. He knew I'd remain single if he wanted me to. But he put a desire for me to be married. He put a desire for me to have a child. He put a desire within me. And, you know, it, sa it says, take delight in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart because he puts them there. But when you make room for God, when you allow God to come into your world, your life, your world, your everything, you leave room for God to do the miracle. And that's what happened to this woman. He granted her her heart's desire and he gave her the son. Alicia said this time next year, and sure enough, this time next year, this lady had a son because she made room for God to do a miracle in her life. And you know, sometimes God, God always answers prayer, always answers prayer, always. I'm confident when I go to God because I know he always answers prayer. Sometimes he's answering it differently than what I think. Sometimes it's different. And that's why when you, when you make room for God, he begins to answer and he begins to show you things. And so I, I, I thought of this last, I have two very close friends and both of them wanted children and none of them were able to have children. Um, I remember we, I was speaking somewhere um, with the, the team at Team Challenge and we were talking about miracles and one of these ladies came up to me and she said, can you pray for me for a miracle? for a child. Now I'm looking at her and thinking, like she's over 50, she, you know, it wasn't naturally possible, but she was desperate. She was, she said, I just believe God's going to do a miracle. I, I, I didn't have the faith for that, but I prayed that God, you would do a miracle. And God did a miracle. 
She didn't have a child, you know, after childbearing age. But God, I looked at her life and a few years later, to the incredible circumstances that happened, she was able to support this mother who had twins and actually would not have had her children. They were going to be taken off her unless this lady stepped in. This lady stepped in and did share care with twins. She has these twins twice a week at our house. She's a room at our house for these twins. Takes her to school in the morning. And I look at them and I think, God's answered your prayer. You made room for God. God is a God who answers prayer. And my other friend, she had just miscarriage after miscarriage after miscarriage. She just probably about six or seven, heartbroken, absolute. All ever wanted to be was a mother. And again, we prayed and God answered her prayer. She fosters mother and babies. She gives them the first six months of their lives, helps them with the young baby, helps the mother be, and she said, I'm preventing generations now of being in care. You know, two of those mothers have got saved. She's done it for about four years. Two of those mothers have got saved, are in church with their children. All of these kids are being prayed for. So God answers prayer. What's your deepest desire? What's the unmet need? What's, what's in you that you are afraid and continue to afraid to even voice and ask for? God, is it, is it that God puts it there. Don't shut out the supernatural out of your life. Make room for God and he will do only what he would do. None of the women, my friends, got bitter or angry with God, but they prayed and trusted God to do what only do. Sometimes he answers our prayers differently, but he is a God who answers prayer and he hears us. So making room for God makes room for the supernatural and the miraculous. Number two, making room for God brings us to a place of rest, a deep rest in God when trouble comes. Because the story goes on with this woman, tragedy strikes her house. And that young boy that she prayed for, that young son that she prayed for, died in her arms. One day got sick and the young son died in her arms. How sad was that? Here was the promise that she so longed for, fulfilled and seemingly snatched away from her again. What did she do? This woman got the child and she went to that room, the room she had made for the prophet, and she lay the child on the man of God's bed, it said. She brought him before the Lord. And she knew she had to get to the man of God. Remember, this was her access, getting to the prophet. She knew she had to get to the prophet. Where do we run when we're in distress? Where do we go when trouble hits us? The one thing we can be sure of in this world is trouble. It comes to us all in one form of another. And you know, it's nice to talk to others about our problems, and so we should. But ultimately, God has the answer. The power of God that helps us overcome in time of trouble. And when this woman, she was making her way to the man of God, and she was like, get out of my way. And everybody she met along the way, they said, you know, is everything okay? Are you okay? And she said, everything's okay. Everything's all right. 
or in other versions, it is well. <laughs> I love that. It is well. What? Her childhood died. It is well. Was it well? No. Was she okay in her emotions? No, because the Bible tells us she was distressed. And that's what I love about the Bible. It's very real. It's very real with emotions. It's very, it's not like, oh, okay, sarah, sarah, it's well, everything's fine. No, this woman was in deep distress. But I believe she had remembered that God had already done a miracle in her life. And she knew that that God that did that miracle is the same God that can do the next miracle. And sometimes we forget the miraculous. You know, if you say, well, I've never seen the miraculous. What are you doing sitting here? That's a miracle. Our salvation alone is such a miracle. We were blind and now we see. We were dead and now we're alive in Christ. God has already done a miracle in our lives of salvation. What more if he didn't withhold his son Jesus? What more? Would he withhold from us? I love the verse in the psalm says, No good thing does he withhold from those whose walk is blameless. If I could take a bit of license this morning and say for those who make room for him. No good thing does he. We can walk with a confidence. We're not people peppering and, oh, you know, all of that. You know, I was, during those two minutes, thinking and remembering of our amazing servicemen right up to now but I'm also spent a few 30 seconds to pray God would you raise up a spiritual army of young men and young women who will be as courageous as those men who went to war but would you raise up a, a an army of young men and young women who take this country by force who will fight the spiritual darkness in this country who are trying to get our children our young people anxiety and depression and trying to get would you raise up would you raise up men and women who would lay down their lives for you in this spiritual battle? Oh, friends, what a time we need. What a time we need to know our God, that our God is able. What a time we need for people of courage to rise up, people of courage who will speak God's word, people of courage who will not be afraid of persecution that will be coming, people of courage who will be all that he wants us to be. God, raise us up. Raise us up a spiritual army who will fight the darkness that are trying to get to our children and our young people in this land and our old people, all people. And so I was praying that as well. But you know, this lady, you know, she answered even, even when, you know, the servant said, you know, what? Is, is, is your child, is everything, is your child all right? She says, everything is all right. It is well. But when she reached the man of God, it said, she took hold of him. She said, she said, they tried to push her away. And she said, he said, leave her alone. She's in bitter distress. And then she says to him, she poured out her heart to him. That's what I love about God. We can pour out our heart, be honest. Even the frustrations, just be honest. She said, didn't I ask? Didn't I tell you? Don't build my hopes up. Did I not tell you that about a child? She said, don't raise my hopes. And then he said, right, let's get there. And he sent his servant. That didn't work. And then he went. 
And you know, how come this lady was able to say it is well? How come, you know, when it's, it wasn't well, her emotions wasn't well, she was in bitter distress. You see, I think that well and that rest is a deeper place than the emotions. It's a deeper place of rest. It's a deeper place of being than any of our emotions. And you know, that's the place when we make room for God, we come to a place of rest in our souls. We come to a place where we can be still and know that I am God. Be still. That's not just about silence and going on a silent retreat. You could be silent and absolutely cluttered and loads of things coming in. That's not about that. There's a stillness in the soul. Come to me, all you who weary and heavy burdened, and I will give you rest. There's a rest for our souls that come. When you make room for God, you can live in a place of rest, even when trouble comes your way, when the storm comes your way. We were in Keswick a few weeks ago, and I sat in this beautiful bench, and I was doing just that. I was meditating on be still and know that I am God. And I stilled my soul. It took a while to still my soul. That's why I like going out praying, walking, praying, because I can still my soul easier. And it took a while to just sit there and still my soul. And I looked at this absolutely beautiful scene, and it was quite still that day. It was beautiful, just a beautiful scene. And I was able to talk to God, and I was able to, my, I was just able to just commune with him talk to him, hear him, listen to him. You know, we have a relationship that's a two-way conversation. If my son only ever asked me for things, then that would be awful, wouldn't it? So I sit and I just chat and I just sitting on a bench and I'm talking to him and Jay's, I don't know where he is, but I'm sitting on my own anyway. And it was just beautiful. You know, the next day I went back to the very same place. It was absolutely raining like mad. The, 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 the trees were going everywhere. It was a whole different scene. I had all my wets on and I, and I sat down on that thing. And I was as still as I was the day before. And that's what being still is. I was as still in my heart, even though there were storms all around, even though the rain was battering down. It's not about the circumstances around us. It's about a state of being. And so can we find that rest in such a busy world? Can we find that rest in such a cluttered place? Can we find that place of rest in our souls? I know that God wants us to live there. Come to me, he said. I will give you that rest. We all know that, you know, um, Horatio Spotiford, you know these words, when peace like a river attended my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot thou hast taught me to say, it is well it is well with my soul. Now you think that those words were written when he was all on holiday in the top of a mountain top and everything was going so well for him. You know, they're easy days, aren't they? That we can say, oh, how are you? Absolutely fantastic on top of a mountain. But those words were penned 
when he was crossing the Atlantic after losing his four daughters. His wife was, she sent him a telegram. They had gone on before him to England from America and he had, you know, um, he wasn't with them at that time and he got a telegram, as you said, telegram those days saying, saved alone, what shall I do? And then when he crossed over that place, the captain knew that that was the place where the ship had sunk and they'd lost their four daughters and he told them. And he penned those words across the Atlantic after losing his four daughters. How could you pen? It is well. It is. Was that man sorrowful? Absolutely. We're living in a very real world. There's sorrow upon sorrow upon sorrow. But there was a place of rest that he had found in Christ. This woman, she was so distraught, it says. It, it, the Bible tells us she was distressed as you would be. But she knew where to go. She knew where to go with her frustrations and her emotions. And so often we go to the wrong people. And God is waiting for us to come to him. Because he said, come to me, come to me, find rest, O oh my soul, in Christ alone. My soul finds rest in Christ alone. And when you make room for that place, when you sit and you commune with God and making room for him to pour in that rest in our souls, that deep place. And I don't know about you, but I have to keep going back to it and back to it. It's not a one-off thing. I don't walk on a floated cloud. I don't wake up every day floating. But I have to keep coming back. That's why give me today my daily bread. If you gave it to us all at once, we wouldn't come back, would we? You know, we leak. We leak so often. We leak all the time. But the dependency on a God who can give us that peace and rest. We should be people who are a different people. We should stand out. We should be not the same people that, you know, um, the world, we, we go and walk and we go for coffee and we, you know, meet people and chat to people and say, oh, you know, it's a terrible day, isn't it? Actually, no, the weather, but the day is wonderful. Oh, all this, you know, terrible times. Yes, it is. But we have a hope. We have a people who have hope. We have a people. We're amongst a nation that's full of anxiousness. No wonder. No wonder. But all that flicking and all that, you're, you, you, it's very hard to rest your spirit. But we must. We must find room to rest our spirit. Rest. So finding rest for the soul. We must find, we must make room for this. We've opened up, obviously, as you know, the church, and we've had amazing week, really. I, I, was, I was working Tuesday night, but Wednesday night, you know, it was hardly, you could hardly say, I think Jay said amen many times at the end of the meeting, but we couldn't move. It was just the presence of the Lord. Is there something special about this place? No, there's something special about us making room for God. That's all it is, just making space for God. We have lots of things about warm spaces for people. Now we're making a space where people can come. If you find it hard on your own or you might want to just be on your own, whichever. But making room for God. 
making room for the miraculous to happen, making room for those desires to start rising up within us again, those unmet needs that we're afraid to hope for, making room for the supernatural God to be at work, making room to find that rest for our souls. We must be different. We must hold rest. We cannot be like the world full of anxiety. And, and I know there is mental health problems. I know that there's people that, have, that, are, that are not mental. But I'm talking about, you know, when we start getting anxious over things that God said, I've got it. I've got this. I've got this, he said, and he tells us the remedy. He said, don't be anxious, but come to me, he said. And he said, with thanksgiving, with thanksgiving. He didn't just say, come and beg. He said, come with thanksgiving, because thanksgiving is building our faith that we know we're coming to a God and we're thanking him that he's hearing us. And we're saying, present our requests before him. And you know what he said he'll do? Do you know the divine exchange and all of that, he said? If you come and sit before me, and if you come and you present these requests with thanksgiving, he said, and he said, this is the exchange. He said, the peace of God that surpasses all our understanding, that surpasses this mind, the peace of God that surpasses all understanding will transcend your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. What amazing divine exchange we have this morning. When we make room for him, when we give him time, he will give us that rest. This lady was at a place of rest, I believe, because she made room for God. And you know, she got her miracle, her promise. Her son was healed and he was raised to life once again by the power of the almighty God because she remembered that was the God that did it the first time. Now this is the God that's going to do it again. And you know, our faith is like this woman sometimes. It's failing and we're in, we're out. Lord, I'll be single, Lord, but I, I you know, but, but God, you know, I'd make a good wife. <laughs> and we're in and out and in and out. But God knows that. But make room for him. Say, God, give me the desire of, those, of my heart, those unmet needs. So making room for God will bring you to that place of rest. And finally, my third point is making room for God allows his sovereign plan and purpose to be outworked in our life. Because you see, this wasn't the end of the story. Because we go on to chapter 8, and it's amazing. I love this. And it says, it says, now Elisha had said to the woman whose son he'd restored to life, go away with your family and stay for a while wherever you can because the Lord has decreed a famine in the land. So there was, for seven years there was going to be a famine. Elisha said to the woman, go away. She left everything. Remember, she was very wealthy. She had an estate, she had land, she had everything. She had to go away because there was a famine coming. So at the end of the seven years, she was in Philistine. At the end of that seven years, she came back to the land of the Philistine and went to the king to beg for her house and her land. And the king, you know, God didn't even allow this woman to have the chance to beg. Because listen to what happened. This is the order of events by this one woman making an intentional act of making a room for the prophet of God. This is the order of the events. And so the king was talking to Gehazi, the servant of the man of God, and he said, tell me all about the great things that Elisha has done. 
And just as Gesheza was telling the king how Elisha had restored the dead to life, the woman whose son Elisha had brought back to life came to beg to, to the king for her house and her land. Gehazi said, oh, this is the woman, my lord, the king, and this is her son who Elisha restored. So just as he was telling that story, she turns up. Could you imagine that? You know, the providence of God. Gehazi said, this is the woman. And the king asked the woman about it, and she told him about the miracle. And then he assigned an official to her case and said, give back everything that belonged to her, including all the income of her land from the day she left the country until now. Remember, more than what we can ask or even imagine. And when you make room for God, you are making room for the plans and purposes of God to be at work. I don't want to die and miss what God had for me. I don't want to die and miss. You see, it's not about me. It's about me surrendering to God who wants to use my life for his plan and his purposes. His plan and his purposes. I don't pray, oh God, let me know the plans. Lord, I need to know your plans because you've purposed to work for me ever before I was even born. That's what the scriptures tell us. He prepared a work for us to do. And I want to be in line with that work. And when we make room for God, his plans and his purposes will be outworked. You know, it's incredible. God's timing is perfect. And you may say, I'm excited at this next part and I'm going to finish in the next few minutes. But I'm excited at the next part because you may say, oh, but that was years ago that had happened. That was just a coincidental that she just arrived as the king and all. That was years ago. These things don't happen today. Well, they do. You know they do. And I know they do. But just about well, what happened yesterday is that I just get this text through yesterday before Jay left yesterday morning. And I get this long text through. And I just couldn't believe it when I was ringing, knowing what I was going to be speaking on. And I just could not believe it. I'm going to read you out the text, but just to let you know who it's from. So it's a, a, a girl called Claire, Claire Walker. And she's a Yorkshire girl. And she came in to Hope House, the women's residential center. Um, I don't know how many years ago. I lose count. There's so many over the years. So just say 12, 15, I don't know, about 12 years ago, whatever. And, uh, well, actually, it must have been about 15 years ago. And uh, because uh, at the 20th anniversary of Hope House, I put together a compilation of stories called Voices of Hope, a book called Voices of Hope. And there's the stories of the years and years of girls being restored and their lives and the miracle that God has done in their lives through the ministry of Teen Challenge. And um, so Voices of Hope, so Claire's story is in Voices of Hope. She came in, I remember all her legs were all um, abscesses and hands. I remember taking the pictures of her legs and hands from injecting heroin, lost her children, her children were taken away from her, lost her children. I remember her twin, in fact, her twin sister writes um, gives a bit, I do a little family bit at the back and her twin sister also writes a bit. And so Claire had an amazing story and all of that fantastic. So um, her story's in the Voices of Hope book. So this is the text I get from her yesterday. She said, I would just like, she'd asked me, she, she, she goes into the prisons, Newhall Prison, 
in uh, Yorkshire and she'd asked me would I, you know, she always buys or gets batches of these books and gives them out. So she had one a few months ago. So she said, I'd like to share how the Lord is using the Voice of the Hope books you gave me. I went to our first ever Alpha course in prison on Sunday. We have copies of the book out on display for the women to take. And I overheard an inmate telling her mate that she had that book and that the stories in it were amazing and that she should take it to read. And then she said, I stopped reading it when I got to the bit of the book where a girl's talking, where a girl, one of the girls is talking about leaving her kids and not being able to say goodbye. And this is Claire. Claire said, I was stood at the side of her and heard her say that. So I introduced myself and I said, that girl is me. <laughs> Could you imagine yesterday morning me getting that, knowing what I was going to do? And so Claire says to this girl, the inmate, she said, that girl is me. That's my story in the book. She said the inmate was gobsmacked. Out of all the pages, she stopped at my bit. And she said, now, now I'm there. And we went on to do the Alpha course, and I sh shared my story in more depth. And the inmate was sobbing and said it was like listening to her, o her own life. We then shared this with the whole group and explained that God puts people in places to minister to people who he wants to reach. And this was one of these amazing moments. Most women were crying. They were all hungry to know more about this Jesus who had orchestrated orchestrated this event. Wow, it was amazing. The inmates stopped reading the Voices of Hope book on my bit because of the pain it brought her reading my bit. She just couldn't get past. It hurt too much with her own children. We prayed with her and she's gone on to continue reading it and others have taken a copy and she puts this big thing, God is so good. She is now set up like this fund that she's doing, you know, a life recovery Bible. She said, I've got 22 so far. And she said, I, the, the women, she said, um, they're all asking for Bibles. You know, this is someone who was herself ravaged. And yet, you know, God is using her. She's in the chaplaincy team in Newhall Prison in Yorkshire. And isn't that amazing? It's not coincidence, isn't it, that she just happened to be there, that this one got stuck. God knows that this lady in prison got stuck at that part and couldn't get beyond her children, couldn't get beyond what will I do, what about my children and God knew had the one person who could really answer her at that time and said that was me look at my life right now 15 years later, and let's give God a clap for that because I think that's amazing you know he is fully control of our, all our, of our circumstances in our life. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. Make room for him. And he will direct your paths. You know, this whole miraculous chain of events happened with this woman making room for God. So today, as I finish Will you make, and the worship will come back, and we're just going to sing one song to close. We're going to sing, Be Still for the Presence of the Lord. And I'm going to ask you, will you make room for God? You know, it's a two-way relationship. This is not about religious meetings. This is not about sitting and having an hour of praying and talking to God. 
are, are just asking them, asking and asking. This is about a communion. This is about a, a, a fellowship. This is about a relationship that's two-way. We listen to him. We hear him. He puts his peace within us when we're troubled, when we have heartache, when we have pain, that underneath it, there's a deeper place of rest that goes beyond our feelings when trouble and heartache comes our way. You know, we... We know that he's a sovereign God and when we make room, when we're trying to work out our own life and our own understanding, let him be your guide. This week, make room for the God who is able to do much more than what we ask, think or imagine. Let those dr let dream again, friend. Those unmet needs that you prayed for so long and then you gave up, believe again. Believe again. The enemy may have come in and the enemy may have, you know, put some stuff and now he's telling you you're not good enough for that to happen. You're not worthy. None of us are. Not one is worthy, but he is. And he can fulfill because who put the dream there? Who put the desire there? Only him. So Andy, as we play, Father, I commit your word, Lord, that went forth this morning. And I pray, O oh God, that, Lord, as we look to you and as we make room for you, Lord, that, Lord, we're making room for the supernatural God to do the miracles that, Lord, otherwise you wouldn't be the God of the impossible. If we could do it, it wouldn't be impossible. But you are the God of the impossible. And you can do the miraculous in our lives and Lord when the day of trouble comes Lord when we make room for you you would bring us to that place of rest and peace Lord where we can truly say be still for the presence of the Lord is with me we can truly say be still and know that I am God we can truly say my soul finds rest in God alone and Lord finally when we Lord make room for you we're making room for you to do and at work your plans and purposes in our lives, that, Lord, we would fulfill all that you have asked us to do while we're here. And we present these to you in Jesus' name.